You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. so much anointing here, I'd just like to find a place on the floor and lay down and just <laughs> say, God, do some work on me. You ever feel like that in church, that you'd like to let God do something for you, uh, that you can't put your finger on? And This is already an unusual service, it really is. I was just trying to process about this guy wearing that shirt. Most men hide their sins, but some are just flagrant. They just. Next thing, it'll have. It'll have. Oh. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, help us. Great day. The enemy gets in the camp someplace. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Wonderful to be here again. And uh, I won't take too much time with my wandering around the earth, but we continue on. There's great things happening. Uh, one of the great revivals in the world is happening right now inside Iran, among women, massive. We know from the inside the government is going crazy trying to figure out how this happened and how to stop it. How I many know when God gets moving, who will build a wall that can contain him? He can do jolly well whatever he wants to. Uh, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. Last Thanksgiving, I was in Greece for a leadership conference and then went on to, uh, to Lebanon from there. And on uh, Thanksgiving night, I was part of an event uh, at a beautiful hotel uh, in Beirut, and half of that audience, invited audience, were Muslim business people. In fact, the people that sat across from me own 111 electronic stores, so they're not getting started, they're doing pretty well. Half of the audience, which was about 180 people, were from the business community. And the purpose of that meeting was to expose believing Christian people to uh, those who don't know Jesus. Uh, wonderful uh, Lebanese meal, which means huge, and lots of it. I like meals like that. Amen. For you people that eat health food and alfalfa sprouts and <laughs> things that you, you, you don't even know what it is. It just, now somebody's trying to sell stuff that looks like meat, but that it, that it isn't. Right. Well, don't feed me that stuff. Just... I'd rather die clogged and know what I've eaten than get killed off by something that's just crawling around. They slapped it in a bun and gave it to you. Nine stations of food, Pastor. Nine stations. And behind every one of them, and these aren't just a little puddle of stuff. I mean, it's a whole table full of... It was, I don't know what all of it was, but there, there was somebody there to explain this whole thing. And then they took it all away after two hours and bought all these tables out with desserts. Mmm, give me a minute. Oh, I'm talking in tongues. Baklava, 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 baklava. Mmm, 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 mmm. At the end of the evening, which is what I want to get to, half 
of the half that was there to be ministered to stood in a public place in a beautiful downtown hotel and publicly confessed Christ as Savior. How's that? A lot of the people were business people from Brazil, for whatever reason, and some expat Lebanese that lived here, here, some live around Boston, etc. And the next morning, we're having breakfast together about half past six, and uh, the group that sponsored that event said, well, we've, we've chartered a bus, we're going to go sightseeing today, and we certainly want you to go with us. So it was kind of them to ask, and I said, well, thank you for that, but I'm not here just for your event. I'm here also in an hour and a half for an event through our ministry, and uh, oh, well, what, what is that? And I said, well, we've sent a whole con container of uh, a little wheelchair-type thing, and uh, we're going to do a distribution today, all day, in three different places. And they talked to one another a little bit and said, well, you know what? We don't want to ride around all day looking at old rocks and monuments if we can do ministry. Could we join you? And we quickly had a Holy Ghost negotiation that went like this. I said, well, let's use your bus, and you can help my ministry if we're going to own stuff. And so they came along, and guess where we went? went right in the middle of the Becca Valley. Becca Valley is home to Hezbollah. That's not your friendly neighbor, if you're looking. And about from here to the house across the street was the regional headquarters, Hezbollah, and, uh, but, but God worked out something wonderful because in the first place we stopped, I'd been there a month before, the first place we stopped, uh, there's many refugee camps in Lebanon of many different kinds. There's 11 altogether of many different kinds of people, Christian Kurds, Yazidis, Palestinians, uh, and in this case, our first stop was at a refugee camp, 9,100 people from the tribe Bedouins, Bedouins, very old tribe all the way from the time of Abraham, very old. And the, the uh, Bedouin king lived in the town where that camp was, not in the camp, of course, and he's the king over the Bedouins in Turkey, Iraq, Iran, Jordan, and Lebanon. He's a head guy. So I'd met him a month before, and here's how it went. You know, uh, here's, the, here's the 11th commandment when it comes to mission work. Blessed are the flexible, for you shall not be broken. <laughs> and you, you, you just have to go with, with whatever the Lord's doing. So I went in this conference room, and it was not exactly a comfort zone. Small conference room, down one wall was uh, a big stand of machine guns, AK-47s. Around the table were six or eight guys wearing jackets like this, big lump here, guns, everywhere guns. You know, the Italian mafia has a one way to dispatch people into eternity. They never send them out of life hungry. If you're going to be knocked off, you always have a nice meal and then get killed. So my reasoning was, well, this is the Mediterranean world, and if some food comes out, I'm safe for an hour. We can, I'll just eat, I'll eat slow. <laughs> so right away, mint tea came out and some food notes. And pretty soon, in came the Bedouin king, because I don't know any of these people. Never been there before. They took me to that valley without permission. They just took me there. So there I am. And I didn't have a gun. I just had Jesus, how many know he's enough? He's enough, he's enough, he's enough. And this gentleman came in, invited us to sit, 
And while, when I finally found out where we were going, we're driving down in there, I heard the Holy Spirit whisper in my ear and say this, where you're going today, only speak about the love of Jesus. Don't let anything else, if the conversation goes someplace, call it back. Only speak, because how many know when Jesus is lifted up? That's our peace. If we lift him up, he'll draw, he'll draw. So... I think I was also praying about self-preservation, frankly. But, uh, but, but there we were going. And this gentleman sat down and he said, Sir, before we discuss what you have come here about, I've heard that you bring chairs and so on. Uh, he said, First, I must tell you this. Fifteen months ago, a man sat in that chair where you are. And he began to explain to me about Jesus Christ. For hundreds of years, our tribe has been Muslim people. I've never heard anything like this. Because like others in this part of the world, I've killed people, I've done things, horrible things. And here's what he said at the end, and it was like a knife stab in my heart. He said, here's what Jesus wants to say to you, Mr. King. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Whatever kind of sin, you fill it in. While we were doing all that, Christ died for us. Loved us so much, he died to fix the whole sin thing. He said, I went to my house a few blocks from here. I hear those words in my ear. I couldn't sleep all night. I hear this. Why were you, what I know about myself, I am a sinner. That I know. But this Jesus thing. I've never heard anything like that. I say to my workers here, go get that guy and bring him here. Tell me again this story about Jesus. He's telling me some more, and he finishes again. While we were yet sinners, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. He said, I can't sleep. I'm rocking and rolling. Third day, go get him. Bring him back here. Tell me again this story. See, he had never heard about Jesus, except he's a prophet or something, but he, he, he's not connected to you personally. He said, I went back to my house, locked myself in a room, do not disturb me. I sobbed on the floor for six hours and said, if what that man said is true, I want to say I am a sinner and please do something for me. Like a million pounds went off of me. Just, I felt light, I felt happy, I felt joy. And I don't know anything about this except while we're sinners, Christ made the difference. He fixed my problem while we were still sinning. How many know we can't fix ourselves? Need God's help. He said, so now you come here. I want to talk about what you want to talk about, but first, sir, Speak to me about Jesus Christ. How many know I had a word in my ear? Be ready to talk about Jesus. Now, all the other guys around the table have not had this experience except him. Within an hour, every one of them had gotten up and from the side came and put their face next to mine and tears came on my face from them and said, we don't know anything about you, sir, but you are our brother. You are safe here. You are bringing something we need. Thank you. And they'd go back and sit down. I think we're having a visit from heaven. So we made some arrangements. We went back the day after Thanksgiving. Before noon in that environment, before noontime, 
at that place in the next stop, more than 102 adults had received Christ as Savior. Many of them have also filled with the Holy Spirit. A number of them were healed because I had all this help for all these Holy Ghost wild people, the full of the Spirit. And I gave them permission before the bus stop and said, listen, I'm not the leader here. There's a cloud standing over this refugee camp. Follow the cloud. Don't come to me saying, can I? When the Holy Spirit nudges you, go do it. Just go do it. Abayas went up, Kleenex came out. And over against the wall were some enforcers, if you understand what I'm saying to you, having guns on them and around them and all the rest. And they had their worry beads. They need to worry because a God bigger than the one they serve was in the room doing some work. I went over there, stood by one guy, just leaned against the fence. And I could see he had a big gun hanging on him here under his robe. And I said, what do you think about this? And he had to turn away and wipe his eyes. He was there to kill if need be. That's why he was there, I found out later. He said, this is too wonderful for words. Sir, I don't know what I'm feeling. And he had to walk away. Listen, when you walk into a room and you're full of God, you are the majority, not the minority. You see it? So keep praying for us. We have a lot of things going on. Last Tuesday, this week, Tuesday, we delivered another container of goods into Vietnam. Those will all go up in the mountain regions, be distributed. But now they're drawing a lot of attention, these medical things. Lots of attention from governmental people. And I'll tell you one more, then I want to get on with the word I think God's dropped into my spirit. Last June, we were in Honduras for another one of these distributions. And it's a family from our church, has a wonderful mission down there. And uh, I said to the sister that's part of this program, listen... I don't know what effect your relationship you had with the government, but I'm telling you, if we do a medical program, we're going we're to get a lot of attention. Well, that, that happened. We had the president, had been a new president for two weeks at the time. His first counselor came and spent the whole day with us. We had three, in one day, three mayoral receptions with food and drink and distributed wheelchairs right off the front porch of City Hall. How many think that's a good thing? So that's better than a little backstreet mission. Get it right out in the light of day where God can do some stuff. But I'll just tell you about the second stop. The mayor is here. I'm standing here as I am now. And on this side was an old Pentecostal preacher standing like this. I don't know this guy. Never seen them. And so the mayor is trying to introduce us, and he gets weepy. He gets weepy. And uh, he is thanking us for coming and bringing all this help. And so on. And, and, and finally he said, sir, go, go, go ahead. I, I, I can't contain myself. And by the way, all three microphones were all mic'd up are on one cord, junky old system. And in the back is the press. Streets are blocked off, probably 800 to 1,000 people there because we're doing in different places. So this is one. Second stop. So I want to get to the gospel because I'm not about wheelchairs first. I'm about evangelism first. I want to get to the gospel. So I start in. These wheelchairs are just like the gospel of Jesus. Free to you, but a big price for him, the cross. Free to you, but a big expense for me. Ships, trains, trucks, insurance, certificates, all of this stuff. But for you, no cost. And the old preacher over here interrupts him. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Stops me. I'm ready to pull the nets. It's like an interruption just before an offering. My God, where's your brain? Don't interrupt me now. He stops. And he starts speaking to the mayor who now has his 
head right on the podium, and the tears are dripping down between his fingers. He hadn't recovered yet. Your Honor, what's happening to you? Oh, it's compassion. I just, our people are getting help. and it's He said, well, I, I do respect, sir, but I don't think that's it. He said, I think the Lord is touching you right now. And the mayor blurts out, how do you write a script for this? You can't plan this stuff. You just follow God and stuff happens. Good stuff. Not the other thing. Good stuff happens, okay? And the mayor blurts out after that, and he says, all my family are born-again believers, but I've never let this power come into my life, old preacher. He's trying to get in right now, sir. He's touching you right now. Would you like to repent of your sins? Yes, he hollered. I thought, this might be God. You know? <laughs> so we're, we're trying to work with the folks, but sometimes you have to get the mighty oak in the thing here, you see. Would you like to repent? Yes. So now the guy turns to the people a little bit and he says, you know, I live in this town. You know me. And I certainly know you. And many of you, since the mayor is going to lead us in repentance, you also need to repent. How many more of you would like to repent of your sins? There had to be 150 hands go up. Well, Mr. Mayor, repeat after me. I am a sinner. I've hurt the heart of Jesus. I put him on the cross. I mean, a really good repentance prayer. Not how do you feel and draw your nose and it's, oh, you're okay. No, I mean, he's getting right down where the dirt is. Nice long prayer. And I could see salvation visit the guy. The heaviness, the weariness, all that. A big smile came and he spent the whole rest of the day with us. Happy, joy-filled. I feel brand new. That's because he was, you see. It's wonderful. Well, the, the day doesn't end there. Here's just how a little seed somewhere becomes something much bigger, much, much bigger. I was staying in a little English boarding house. Well, it wasn't so little, but it was, it was lovely, a little quaint place. Just a minute or two after six, sir, please come quick to the lounge. Come, come, come. So I went, and the news was on, the national news on a government-owned network. I was on the news. And that mayor, and that old preacher, and everything else that went on. And the news announcers, man and woman, they said, I just caught their introduction, they said, we have reported on the presidential elections, on the earthquakes in this country, on our business problems, on the caravans going to America, all of those things. But today, we were at an event unlike anything we have ever been to in all of our reporting years of 15 years. We, we have never seen or felt anything like today, and it so impacted us we're not, we, we haven't editorialized it at all, but we've gotten permission from the producers just to play the whole tape without edit. So for the next 45 minutes, so they heard the gospel, they heard prayer. So from every border of Honduras, without paying for it, somebody say amen. We were trying to get on the news. We're just trying to lift him up, just lift him up. And I'll tell you what, God will put a megaphone in the weakest voice and make it much larger. So the entire country at Evening News had that same witness, that Jesus was the Son of God. 
That mission is still getting notes and people coming by. Tell us more about this. Why don't you just raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. So that's what keeps me on airplanes and keeps me flying around, is God's at work in big ways. And guess what? He has an agenda for Beacon Fishkill area as well. Can, and I, I'm family enough here to, to speak plainly, I think. I'm leaving town anyway, so don't throw anything at me. I just, when I come to this church, I have a return ticket before I... <laughs> I just want to say this carefully, but to encourage your faith. There is yet a legacy and heritage in this community that has not yet been apprehended by Salem Tab. I tell you, there's dozens of people that have an assignment to this house here because angels don't evangelize. People evangelize. Do you believe what I'm telling you? What's he saying about our church? I'm telling you, there's many more folks in this community that have an assignment and others you'll win that have assignment in other people's churches, but it's going to be our job to win them. So there's work to do. If God can bless in Honduras and in the face of Hezbollah, how many thinks he can do something in this valley here? Sure he can. Sure he can. We have to find it. All right. So for a few minutes, please turn in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 3. I don't want to soften you up all morning with mission stories, but uh, it, it excites me what the Lord is doing. Can I have an hour or two? <clears throat> I promise not to talk about food because I know what hour it is. And... Uh, so I won't, I won't talk about food too much. But this, these little verses are about, not about food. So, Lord, thank you for your word because it's both bread and wine to our soul and spirit. It's also a light and a lamp to guide us in the way we, that we should go. It's also a mechanism that unpacks who God is in a way we can understand. And you've come into this service today in a, in a wonderful and unusual way. And help us to continue to make time for your continued working among us. Help us together to allow your word into our heart, not just your ear. That's, that's our ears. That's the door to get it in. But it has to get into our heart to adjust our behavior. What we want, I think, Lord, all of us want this, more of you in our lives. That's what I pray for. In the name of Jesus and the church said, in Matthew chapter 3, uh, John Baptist is talking, and I just want to deal with a few words of his here, because it very much fits what the Lord is doing in the service today. He has come to do some removing of stuff. Did you sense that early on? Yep. To deal with some leftover stuff. I don't have anything else to say. I'm just going to say that as well a different, from a different place. And as for me, John talking, verse 11, 311 of Matthew, as for me, I baptize with water for repentance. It said elsewhere in the Gospels, John baptized with water what, to identify the repentance that had happened. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Who is he talking about, church? I'm not worthy to lace up his shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let me read the next verse too because this is the same context. I, I did, I've never seen this in the scripture or taught from this section this way ever, ever. So I'm hearing this for the, I'm going to be surprised at what I say to myself. 
and his winnowing fork, now for city folk, we'll come back for this, his winnowing fork is in his hand, he will thoroughly clean his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, and he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now all that's one sentence. That's not two different subjects. The wheat and grain thing, one thing, and the Holy Spirit, but nothing. It's not that. So let's just walk through these two verses, and we may do more, but let, let's just see what happens here. I baptize you with, for repentance, to identify that you have repented. What happens in water b- baptism? Well, I, I believe personally that water baptism is like the Eucharist. It is a sacrament of the Lord's life and of his mechanism. Grace is ministered. In, it's not just a dunk in the tank and, hello, family, take your photo and get out of there. It's something very, very significant. There's only two things God said that should remain in the life of the church as a practice. One is the Eucharist. The other is baptism. So how many know those things are important? If, if, if Jesus said, I'm leaving these things... There's a very high importance on them. So what's, what, what happens, and if you just want to take the identification route, okay, but what happens when a person <clears throat> is immersed in water? What happens is we have a person, often it's an elder or a pastor, who becomes the baptizer. Is that correct? The person actually facilitating the baptism. Now, in some cultures, people baptize forward. Some baptized three times, once for the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I was in a baptismal uh, event in Romania, and they had to bring a big stock tank in the church. Because they built a new building, didn't have a baptismal formal thing yet. So they bought this tank in, and they built some steps up to get in it, and it had a step inside. Well, the second guy they're going to baptize, a great big guy. And there, you have to get on your hands and knees. And he didn't want to humble himself. They've got some big baptizing brothers in that church. So they pushed him. And I'm right next to the tank. Bonk! So when he came out of the tank, it wasn't the mark of the beast. It was those baptizing brothers. (laughs) He looked like a unicorn that was spirit-filled. But we tend to baptize backward in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, etc. But whether it's front or back or whatever formula you use, let's, let's stay with the act, not all the stuff around it. What happens when a person submits themselves with baptism? Well, we have a little class, talk about the Bible, usually out of Romans, etc. And we're buried with Christ, we raise up to new life, etc. So there's something really sacramental and grace-filled in that. Do you believe that? Well, if you haven't been in the water, we'll squirt you with a hose today. I mean, we want to suit to it. This gets done right. But in the process of the baptism experience in water, it works like this. They have to hold their nose because we don't want them, you know, sucking the water out of the tank. Well, you have no right to steal holy water when you're... Grand Rapids, Michigan, great big Assembly of God Church, pastored by a long-term friend of mine. In fact, I grew up with him and his wife. Big. It's glass clear down to here. I mean, so a a young brother was getting baptized, and his four-year-old son decided to just butterfly right through the whole thing. So on the video is the dad going down and the son just swimming right on. How many think God liked that? God liked it. So... You present yourself to the baptizer. 
What are we to understand by this? You have to surrender the strength of your life to the one doing the baptizing. You got it? Because when you're going backwards, you're holding your nose and, you know, so on, so you don't suck water in and come up spewing and all of that and catch your breath and swallow some water because that's, that's a, a, a real concern. But for those few seconds, how many know you are not in control? You submit the control of your life to the baptizer. How many got the picture? That's all John is saying. I came baptizing with water towards repentance. Down. We're leaving. Something is left and something is gained. My sins are buried. I'm raising up to newness of life. Come on, church. You can say amen. I've just, just plain Bible here so far. All right. So John says, uh, yeah, John Baptist goes on with that. And let me put some words in just so we get it. In exactly the same way as I baptized in water, there's someone much larger and more important than me that's coming after who's going to baptize. And what's the essence of that baptism? Surrendering the authority and control of your life away from your ego and mindsets to his. So there's, listen close, there are millions of people who speak in tongues that do not live spirit-empowered lives because they've learned how to speak in tongues, but they're still ruling their own roost, and the fruit of their life looks like it. This I say then, Paul to the Galatians, walk in the spirit. He's not talking about one foot in front of the other. He's talking about yielding control over daily activity to God. Paul to the Romans. Those that are led by the spirit are the sons of God. Hmm? Led. It doesn't mean a religious nutbag. We get down to Kroger's. Oh, buy a Honda, buy a Honda. Shall I buy a cabbage or a rutabaga? Help me, Holy Ghost. If that's how you act in the market, I am not shopping where you shop. You don't need rhema revelation in the vegetable department. How many know, among other gifts God gives us, is something called common sense, which is even getting in small supply in our day. You don't need 48 revelations to buy toilet tissue. I don't know why I said that. I just... But how many know where we're going with that, all right? So there's one coming... And in the same way I baptized in water, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit and fire. So, what is one of the first principles about Holy Spirit baptism? I'm given up control of me to Bible principles and the person of the Holy Spirit to work them into my life so I behave correctly. Not a bracelet, what would Jesus do? Poor Jesus, he's even getting confused. People asking him all that stuff. We apologize to you for the nonsense, God. When he, if you've said yes to Jesus, you know, how do you, what do you do with that verse out of 1 Corinthians? You know, by, by one spirit, we are all baptized into Christ. It's our dispensational brothers. That's it. That's a baptism in the spirit. It doesn't say that. It says we've been baptized into Christ. That's the saving baptism, but that's not the whole of the verse. The rest of the verse, and, and in the Greek language, there's some Greek speakers in here, the Greek language works like this, biblical Greek. When you have that and stuck in there, in Greek it's chi, K-A-I, English letters, 
what follows after the and is of the same weight as what comes before it. So, by one spirit, we're all baptized into Christ. Whoops, here comes something important. And by that self-same spirit, we are all made to drink. Listen, no infant drinks, drinks in the womb. Why? Because it's connected to the mother through what's called umbilical cord, but it's not a cord, it's a tube. And 100% of the sustaining life of that infant, that fetus, comes from the mother. So don't take drugs, don't drink alcohol, eat healthy, etc., etc. So the baby is born healthy because its food source, 100%, till it's born, is from the mother. Is that correct? We know that from Bible. It's true. Okay. So that other half of that Corinthian verse is, for a time after someone is born again, we, are, we drink. That's not what a fetus does in the womb. It's just fed on a continual stream. Drinking is something that happens after a child is born. And what Paul told the Corinthians is that first part's going to get you to Jesus. That second part's going to sustain you after you're there. Amen. So I'm not here trying to negotiate with anybody about whether we need to be spirit-filled. I'm signed, sealed, and delivered. We need to be spirit-filled to live the kind of life Jesus describes. Now, in the next verse, verse, 11, verse 12, and, and this is the same context. It's not a shift in the teaching. He's not going somewhere else. He's talking about baptizing, and now this one that's coming later, and he's going to baptize not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then, John says, and his winnowing fork is in his hand. Now, if you've never been to a farm or worked around a farm at all, you probably don't know what a pitchfork is. How many know a pitchfork is open? It's got tines on it. It's open on the It's not like a shovel because it has to go in the hay, in the grain, so it can be picked up. Many places overseas, they still hand load hay with a fork, pitchfork, and, and a, a, a winnowing tine is like that, only... The metal is a little bit wider. It's a little thicker. So here's what happens. Let's say that this is a pile of wheat right here where this microphone is, a pile of wheat. And what we need is the wheat, the seed. And, but we've got stalks and we've got the shell, the husk on the thing. What happens in the third word? What happens is a farmer or his workers stick their winnowing fork in that. Let's just call it a fork. Stick it in. And they throw it up in the air. So it takes some violence. It takes some act, throw it up in the air, and they winnow when there's a breeze. And the wind comes because that action of those stalks crashing together breaks the stalk off and breaks the husk off the seed. So they throw it up, and because the chaff, the part broken off is lighter, the wind blows it away and the seed drops to the ground. When he's done with the pile, He's got a stack of seed, and the chaff is blowing away. Now, in America, we're recognized, so maybe you've seen the great... I, I was on a farm in uh, Saskatchewan, Canada. One field, 7,700 acres. And the farmer's son started through that field with some kind of spray. To it. it looked like a small rainstorm going... You know, one of those big reticulated tractor tires this big is hinged in the middle and go this way, that. It's an enormous thing. When it runs, the ground shakes. Huge. And he's going down there spraying something, some kind of fertilizer, going down there. And pretty soon he disappeared. I said to the landowner, I said, where's he going? 
He said, well, he'll be back after a while. I said, well, where's he going? He said, well, this field, it's about eight and a half miles down there. But he'll be back. That's one field, 7,700. Now there's machinery, and I've seen it more than once in Nebraska, Kansas, other places. I've seen it in harvest season. A huge harvester goes through the field, and it's got two pipes. One goes to a truck that's going right along with it, and the seed is blowing in there because that machine does the work the winnowing folk did. It tears, it rips all the stalks in little bitty pieces. It almost makes powder out of them, and it separates, and the seed goes in the truck, and the chaff blows out the back end of the machine. It becomes fertilizer in the field. Okay? And so the Bible just says here, he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, that is, that whole stack, and he will gather the wheat into the barn, but he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable. The chaff is useless. Now, we know it has a little bit of value for fertilizer. So today, through mechanisms, it's just blown back. Now, now, this is what John talks about with the work of the Holy Spirit when he's coming to us. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's more than just a feel-good. God starts cutting the messes out of our lives. Some things that we tolerated ourselves years ago, we begin to feel hesitation about continuing those practices once the Holy Spirit has come, how many know he wants to fill the temple that's here? It's his. He has ownership internally. It's not just a building somewhere that's a temple. Here's the words of Paul. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. How many know some has to fill it? That's a symbolism all through. Even all the buildings were up were beautiful. They had to pray for the glory cloud to come on the place. So that same visit is what God wants to do to you and me. It's part of the driving force and intent of heaven in this service today is God's come around to speak and call to us out of his affection for us to say, if you're carrying some kind of load and, and, and feeling condemnation in your life, you can leave here free of that because that's not my idea for you. That's not my purpose. That's not your destiny to live a perpetually condemned life. There is now, therefore, how much condemnation to those who are none to eradicate that, evict it out of our lives. And here the Bible says this is like God separating seed from its stalk and its husk. It's like the old farmers with their wintering folk throw it up and the wind hits it. You find this in the book of Acts chapter 2. And suddenly there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. What did that have to do with fire? It was God visiting just like John saw it with the farmer. That's why there's wind there. It's not only to bring, the wind brings something in, at the same time it blows something out. So when you're baptized, you've got to leave something in the room. But take the thing up that has come purified, that God sanctified and separated out. And if you serve God with your whole heart, here's what you're going to find. And it doesn't make you elitist or self-righteous when it comes from heaven. There's some activities a lot of other folks may do, but you cannot. Because you're sanctified. You're set apart. What does that mean? It means set apart. You're identified as a person of a different kind with a different purpose on your life. Did God not get after the priests of Israel when they started backsliding and doing th things like everybody else? Because they were set apart for holy purpose and holy cause. Do you see it? 
Sound like a wind. And there was a big noise. This is for those of you that like quiet churches. Get over it. Just get over it. A noise and shaking and violence and all of that. Why? God's doing something to the sheep. Because how many know the disciples had Jesus face on for a little over three years, but they still needed some work. They were fussing about turf and position and title and who's going to be right and left. I mean, that's just all carnal nonsense. They had it. So they needed the winnowing. They needed the upper room for a number of reasons. So there's a great wind, noise, noise. And the Bible says it filled the whole room where they were sitting, whole room filled. And, and what came out of that? And the Bible says they were they, they were all touched, not some, not some. Well, some people speak in tongues, they get filled. You get filled, you'll speak in tongues. I've told you before, years ago, but uh, I grew up in a little small farm, only 40 acres, but half of it was apples. I never, as a boy growing up, saw my dad go out in the springtime and say to the Jonathan Yellow Transparent and Macintosh, in the name of Jesus, apples, come up on this tree. You come out of them buds. You can, Come on, apples, get up. He didn't have to do that. Why? Because the assignment of an apple tree is to grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't have to be commanded. There's sunshine and rain. We're going to have apples. Is that right? Those of you that garden, you plant petunia seeds, you're not going to harvest pumpkins. If you do, you were, you were some condition when you planted because whatever seed goes in, that's what... And this word, the Logos of God, has God's heart in it, his mind, and his words. And my word will go out, and it'll do the thing it's intended to do. Which means every time you memorize a verse and get it down in your spirit, it has the capacity to produce Christ-likeness in huge proportions inside of us. Thy word have I hid. I don't like that word. I'd rather say, thy word have I invested in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's a constrainer and a retainer and a releaser all at the same time. So when you're really touched by God and the intent of God, what he once said, and we've already been doing in the service is, he's called us together on this Sunday morning, this great time of the year, to say to us, it's time to leave some stuff on the floor of your life. And don't touch it and don't pick it up and let my wind blow it out of your life. Let it go. Let that go. We need a great anointing just to release stuff. People that have abused us, cursed us, criticized us. We need critics. They help us become famous. Come on. Nobody knew who you were until somebody started criticizing you. That didn't go down well. For, my God, this guy's off the rails now. Leave it there. How many of you don't want to be controlled with somebody's bad words over your life? Leave that there. Because God said, you're the apple of my eye. I don't care what some nit brain said. God said, you're the apple of my eye. Repeat that to yourself. Look in the mirror if you dare when you get home and say, I'm the apple of God's eye. And he doesn't have vision problems. He knows who he's looking at. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So leave the dregs. Leave the stuff left over. You know, my wife's family lived in the wine district and do, California. Many times I've gone to watch the chemistry. It's a huge thing, winemaking. Huge. 
I'm not here to promote it. I'm just telling you, they have to clean the barrels. They have to open them and scrape them because there's dregs left. They put juice in there, but there's little stuff. And they've got to clean them, wash them out, scrape them after a while to get all that out of there to get the best wines to the top. And it takes a long time. It's about chemistry. So many days, so many years to get the right mix of things, of sugar and flavor and oxygen and all. Of, some of the wineries there are very precious vines. They're harvesting when the, wines are, the grapes are just right, the sugar content, all that is just right. They have 72 hours to get the whole harvest out of the fields into the winery. That's it. If it's after that, they're not going to get the quality. So that's what God's looking for in your life. And the intent of it is this. Let the winnowing fork come. Because we get really honest with God. He knows and we know. He knows and we know. I shouldn't. And, and so today, we're going to just tidy this up. Uh, I think we're going to have one more prayer time to finish up. Would that be all right? And here's how we're going to pray now. Same vein as before. Same vein. Only this time, I'm going to ask those that have uh, deacons and elders and those that work with people and your wives, you can help, please, in just a minute here. But what, what we're going to pray for is two folks, two kinds of folks. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you to ask God to fill you this morning. He wants to. How does this happen? Well, it happens the same way you got Jesus. Jesus, I am a sinner. You're the Savior. Come into my life. We confessed out of our mouth the Lord Jesus, and he came in. Do you believe it? That's how we get saved. We get filled with the Holy Spirit the same way. We confess he's the power center of heaven, and he has said, I want to give you that gift. Don't get hung up on Tongues Mountain. If you, if you get filled, you'll speak. It's just that easy. Don't, don't worry or fret. One guy, engineer, always asking these logical questions. How many, this is a true story, how many cubic feet of air do you assess may be expelled and inhaled in the midst of the charismata? <laughs> and he built satellites for our government. I said, what was that? How many cubic feet of air will we? I said, brother, listen close. I don't give a rip about air capacity. And I felt holy violence come on me. I didn't lay my hand on his head. I slapped the top of his head and said, be filled. And he went, it, just, it was like an explosion because God had to ambush him. He's trying to have a formula around, just get over all of that. And those of you that are praying, don't be telling people to say words, and, you know, beat them on the throat and whack their backs. Listen, we'll come 20 bucks and get a massage downtown. We don't, need, we don't need all the rubbing. and Just let God pray for them, but that they'll be visited. By, how many know if God touches you, you'll know it? And the second kind of person. So first, those that need filling. You're hungry for that. And secondarily, for those of you that have just run dry, you've been touched by the Holy Spirit, cares of life, neglect, hundred things, but you've just run dry. The promise of God is this. When you're filled, out of your innermost being will run rivers. 
Not a broken sprinkler system that dribbles. Rivers of living water will flow. And you want your refreshing. It doesn't come from me or from pastor or even the music. It doesn't. It comes from you talking to God and exercising. Because once you've been filled, you can speak and you will flow. And you control the tap. Absolutely right. You control that. So some of us just have to step out in faith. Just start, just start praising God, worshiping God in tongues. It'll come. He'll come. I, I hardly put my feet on the floor any morning, no matter where I am in the world. First thing I would do is praise God in the Spirit a few minutes. Holy Spirit will come. Sometimes I'm tired. I was tired when I got to town a couple of days ago. Only been in bed two hours the night before. Left a lot of work on my desk. That bothers me. So, so I, I got here tired. Next morning when I got up, yesterday, I just laid there about 10 minutes, plenty of rest. Just laid there and began to praise God. In this. It was just a few minutes, just a few, because I want that to be a discipline in my life. I don't want to start my day in any way, shape, or form. God can stand you when your hair is not combed. You haven't shaved and you have bad breath. You can still pray in the Holy Ghost. But we have to do it. I have found that to be a very precious discipline that draws him close. I don't roll over and say, I rebuke the devil off a beacon. Glory to God. Get, cast him back in there. I, I'm not worried about strongholds. You know why? Jesus is not worried about strongholds. It's only mentioned four times in the whole Bible, so it's not a big deal to God. What he's concerned with is building his kingdom inside of us and having it grow. So I want to give him what he enjoys. Adoration. Worship. And watch him come. How many understand what we want to do here? Okay. Let's stand. We're going to have some nice soft music. Thank you, brother. If you want to be ministered to and for, ask God for refreshing or you need to be filled, come on right now. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times in our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.